the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Evan Bilal, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, favorite cheesemonger's favorite cheesemonger, the most heavily tattooed reporter in USL, and, and the best. Um, oh. Hi, mom. Uh, it's true, man. It's it's listen. It's good work. Uh, it hey, it's uh, it's the person that had an objection to that. It's Phil Grooms. He just took a drink of beer, so that'll be fun. No, thing respond I, to. I don't disagree at all. I think uh, you are the most highly tattooed. Volume wise, it's true. I, I think <laughs> art is subjective, so we can have that discussion. I like that. We, yeah, that's we, even better. We will not. Anyway, uh, too busy getting degrees to have t- tattoos. Ryan Allen's here. Hello, Evan. How are you tonight? I'm okay. How are you? Doing okay. Looking into new laptops all day. So, uh, you know, the joys of new technology. It's about time I get a new one. <laughs> um, speaking of getting a new one he should probably have a hobby other than filling out spreadsheets for podcasts it's pony i heard that dog so tattoo hate we're saying best tattoo in the ul i mean that one has to be part of it it's not great it's not great we're still talking about it two weeks later so i mean i guess that that went well but you know what's worse than the fact that he got a tattoo of that is that u.s soccer tried to copyright that oh really it's not let's not forget they did though that's where the whole thing came from that's news to me yeah, they threw a bunch of like like copyrights at a wall, as you do when you go to make something <laughs> for the World Cup in '94 or '96, and and Dogso was one of them, and uh, that's what that tattoo is. So at least there's a meaning behind it, but it's still it's still not great. I wouldn't I wouldn't commit to that. It's great to get a tattoo of inside joke. I know, ten years later, it's going to be <laughs> relevant. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey. Uh, handballs happened in the first round of the playoffs hmm. i guess well should we should we backtrack because we broke some news today phil yeah let's get that over with i suppose all right let's get it over with <laughs> much like how a lot of people felt about these teams last year <laughs> i've seen that comment more than once today actually <laughs> I, hey you know listen uh the news if, if uh, no one saw it earlier this morning the beautiful game network uh which not only does podcast we also have a written section and and that written section uh elite soccer reporter phil groom <laughs> there he is you might have heard of broke some more news this this uh this calendar year uh timbers 2 orlando city b and philadelphia union 2 are all uh, on the outs as it were uh, much to the surprise of nobody really but it's finally a, a wish granted in many cases, I think, for a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, a rumor that I blocked a prominent Sports Illustrated writer on Twitter for is now true. But like three years after. Do you guys feel like you're getting like a little bit of FOMO with this where like you kind of wanted them to go for a while and now you're they're going and you're like, oh, man, there's some good stuff. <laughs> I find myself uh, wanting to flip flop. can answer that, though what's that not yeah that's a no not really i mean yeah we're not losing anyone that to me i go oh no they're gone but does this make seattle the most isolated team in the usl now yeah i'd say tacoma's uh pretty much the most isolated team tacoma not seattle you know (laughs) they have that s2 logo that we all love as the epitome of graphic design i'm still really (laughs) sad that it just wasn't two space needles R.I.P. Whitecaps 2, I guess. I mean, and it's interesting going forward because it's also further broken from the Athletic talking about uh, the MLS Reserve League yep. that's going to be formed. However, that there are going to be four MLS teams, namely D.C. United, Real Salt Lake, FC Dallas, and New York Red Bulls, who are going to be opting to keep their uh, MLS 2 teams within the USL system. And three of those four teams are 
have already won titles at a USL level and have proven to be competitive teams within the USL structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, there's not a consensus, you know, about like I don't think. I think a lot of questions that came up today, one was like, hey, are they all going to drop now? And, and like, I don't think they all want to, you know, so I don't know if there's a consensus even among the owners and and uh, even the leaders of MLS about you know if they do start that reserve league that Ruder wrote about today, like how would that even look? Do they all want to go or do they not all want to go? It was a lot of fun, interesting rumors out there that I came across. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and you know that's the thing and i like the the other one that i saw that's really fun is like there's one and this is always fun to me when it's like oh there's one exec that was really bullish about you know where it's oh we're going to be a, a division three sanctioned league and which which you know like phil you and i can start a league tomorrow and i think we could get d3 <laughs> yeah uh, honest to god i think the requirements for that are do you have a soccer ball and a nice logo Right, and can you uh, register? Which isn't a slight on, that's not like a, I'm not backhanding anybody there. That's literally like you can, if you play in a pitch that's FIFA regulated, I think you're a D3. Right, I was going to say, um, can you rent a baseball stadium? You know, yeah, like the bar for entry there is ridiculously low. Um, but then, you know, it's like, well, and, and we think that, you know, this reserve, MLS NXT, as I'm half-jokingly calling it, uh, can, uh, can compete with, you know, USL. And yeah and some like illusion of grandeur if you're taking these like weird chippy markets away from usl that's one thing but at the same time like no one was going even before this year no one was going to union two games no one was going to timbers two games no one was going to ocb games like they were already built and billing themselves as a u19 plus team they were where where it was Yep, this is the the quote unquote best of our academy, and they're playing against adults now. And from a devil's advocate MLS reserve league stand standpoint, which is not a thing I hope to ever be, but who knows? There's been so much damage done to guys like Benefemo and Cole Turner and Zach Zandi and Issa Rayon by losing five nothing every week like yeah no shit you're gonna pull out and and try to play them in the super u19 league that's that's getting off the ground because like guys like that getting shelled every week isn't gonna help them at all as players it is interesting so like they might be taking a step back by becoming these like way too good to play other 17 18 year olds type guys but like you're losing three, four, nothing every week, or just like an absolute dumpster fire, like some of the two sides were last this this year, this season. I yeah, like what's the point? Because like clearly you don't care at that point, right? Like if you brand your team from minor market outside of the city that our MLS team plays in to city that our MLS team plays in to, you don't care. So, like, save everyone the trouble and just do whatever this MLS Reserve League thing is going to be. It is interesting because, it's some, like I said, I think there's disagreement between the owners and coaches or whatever mm-hmm. and GMs. And so, but some people do value that they're playing against grown men. Some people think that's really important. And I guess people like Union, maybe they, I, they must not, you know. It's, it's weird to me that they could be using this in a good way and they all probably well, think... Well, if they were. Go ahead. Because, I mean, how many, like... Sorry, I'm going to get in my soapbox. <laughs> Fontana, Aronson, McKenzie, Real, Mbizo, uh Burke. I'm missing people. Oh, uh, Elliot, I guess, and McKenzie. And Matt Freeze. Those were all Bethlehem Steel guys. And they're now first-team guys. And they're making impacts in various levels. Obviously, Brendan Aronson's the big name. Mark McKenzie's the big name there. But, like, without breaking your collarbone by running into Forrest Lasso or being challenged by guys like Dane Kelly and, you know, uh, Lucky Kosana and Bobby Warshaw and, you know, uh, uh, Yoshin Groff in your first couple of years as a professional when you're a child, like, they probably wouldn't be as good as they are. 
But when you strip away all those hungry 20-somethings like Santi Mar, like AJ Patterson, you know, guys like that that can challenge you in training or even just play better than you in games, and you get rid of those 30-somethings, like a James Chambers, like a, uh, I think Kevin Kerr had a, a development aspect in Pittsburgh when he played, like, then you lose all that meaning. So it doesn't, like, the USL, it doesn't matter at that point. Who cares where you play? You just got to find these guys playing time until you can either call them up to their, your first team, loan them out, or ship them out to a team in Europe. Yeah. I mean, to me, part of it, there's a difference between for what they're putting forward between can't and won't put forward mm-hmm. a good team. Where some of these MLS2 teams, if they wanted to, they could probably yes. put forward a team who's going to be a playoff side every playoff contention. They might not be the best team in the league, I but they could, could be a good team. Well, I think if you're going to go independent teams like Oklahoma City this year, just to pick on them because I looked at the stands and they're near the bottom with one win. Mm-hmm. They couldn't put forward a good team this year because mm-hmm. they just have the players and the resources. Next year, they could be a playoff team because they could. While some of these teams that have been bad year and year, like I'll go for Timbers because they haven't been good for a few years, they won't put forward a team who's going to try to win. They're trying to develop players who are not trying to win games. And those are the teams that for the MLS two sides to me are detrimental to the USL. While if you look to me, the USL becomes worse when you remove New York two, when you remove Real Monarchs, that makes the USL a worse league because those teams are having a good mix of the youth and a good mix of the players who are somewhat journeymen, but could make MLS. We saw mm-hmm. that happen with Real Monarchs last year. Look at how many players they pulled from different teams two years ago, threw on the Real Monarchs, mm-hmm. won the cup, sent all up to their main slot and now the team was bad again last year but that's how an mls2 team should work for me they needed talent young players who we have never heard of and they need talent players immediate players who we look at and go why have they not got the chance in mls they pull them all together they prove they have the talent and then they send them on to their main team to either break into the squad or sell for profit or do they want to do that's mm-hmm. what we need from the mls2 sides the ones who completely refuse to do that are the ones i don't want the usl mm-hmm. and i think the ones who are leaving are the ones who refuse to do that yeah to me it's making the league better by them leaving to their own we're going to play kids and kids only league and even more so we got into a weird portion of usl where up to a point that uh, mls was saying it's like you have to put it you if you're an mls you have to either affiliate or put an mls2 site within the league yep. and then this recent round when we brought in fc cincinnati when we brought in lafc when we brought in minnesota united when we brought in the two sides this year with nashville and so it was in that weird middle ground. I was like, though, they don't really need to be affiliated with anyone, right. but they also don't need an MLS2 side. It, it just kind of left everyone in a limbo. And now you're thinking that the four teams that are remaining behind actually are committed to building out oh, an academy, to building out a program here within mm-hmm. a USL level. Oh, I honestly think that's better for the league and that it just, we shouldn't, for, if a team doesn't want to do that, we can it shouldn't be forcing them yeah. upon that. That's their loss if they don't want to invest in their youth facilities. But the teams that remain obviously are committed to the USL, well, just the motto to you know, just kind of living the life down here in USL and want to succeed at this level. That's what I was, the, the counter to that is only one thing. And, you know, this is funny that I'm the one that's going to say this, but the FOMO yeah. thing I was getting to earlier is like, and I'm sure the USL doesn't want to lose every single team partially for this reason is guys like Tyler Adams, guys like um, Aronson that are, you know, all these guys that are going to Europe from MLS, most of them played in the USL first. And I do think it helped. Um, You could argue that back and forth to what degree. Well, Um, but that's a big part of the USL being able to claim Tyler Adams and uh, Afonso Davies, of course. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, uh, It'll transfer a little bit. I, I, I think the problem isn't so much that MLS is setting up a minor league system. I don't either. I, I think the problem, which blows my mind, is that of all teams, Los Angeles Football Club, which you might be familiar with because they are owned by 9 million people and employ <laughs> Carlos Vela and had Diego Rossi, also, we're like, you know, that Mark Anthony K guy might be really good and is. 
And now they just went, you know, that Mark Segbrist yeah. guy in Memphis might be really good. And and, and he, he is, by the way. <laughs> LAFC shouldn't be the only team in MLS going, and I mean, okay, yeah, Atlanta United signed Adam John, but that was a guy that we already kind of knew about. They shouldn't be the only team going, wow, that, that Mark Anthony K kid is good with the ball at his feet. We should, we should sign him. There shouldn't be the, – the big, rich team in MLS should not be the only one that's like, we should put a scout in that second league that we have in this country. I agree. And okay. apparently they are. Well, but – oh, and that's – oh, man, that's a big one. We shouldn't go into it too much today, but, like, no. you start this reserve league. Right now, the main reason that's not happening, we've found um, – Tutol uh, Rahman – had some um, yep. had an amazing episode with Scuffed. He was like explaining all the financial reasons why signing a USL player is, doesn't make sense for an MLS club because they get yeah. Tam and Gam and all these other things from all these other opportunities. Um, and then USL players like, do I sign him or do I sign the South American that's proven uh, mm-hmm. useful in MLS? So it's a tough market. Some people are starting to have faith in it. Thank God. But you start this reserve league if it isn't yeah. even sanctioned which it might not. We don't know if it's going to be sanctioned. Sure. Yeah. There's no rules. You know, like you can yeah, move these players up for no money. It doesn't have to go toward mm-hmm. the cap if MLS doesn't want it to. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden these USL players go toward the cap. These MLS reserve players don't. Which one are you going to choose? You're going to scour right. one market and you're going to ignore the other market. And I'm really, I think that's the worst possible scenario for that reserve league. Mm. I'm sure we'll come out with more between now and then. But man, that really hit me today and really hurt me. Phil, thank you for the segue. <laughs> Speaking of worst possible scenarios, if you scored a goal with your hand, your team won this week. <laughs> so congratulations. Gosh, that hurts, doesn't it? More than one. Uh, okay, so um, I got to know Santi Moar as a player rather intimately for about a year. That would have definitely been my first response if he hit a ball as hard as he can towards me. So I'm not super mad about Rising's handball goal. I should be. But that one, I'm like, eh. Happens. I don't know how that you missed in the that. Moment, yeah, that one in the moment I think everyone thought was a legitimate goal. Yes. At least everyone watching. Yeah, Because I've seen dudes hit crosses off their chest like that and have them go in that's not a outside of the realm of physical possibility kind of thing uh the other one a little rough a little rough uh, i will say phoenix rising thank you so much for being um shit heels for the right reasons this week <laughs> yeah that's very kind of you welcome that's, back that's a compliment do not take that badly everyone evan loves this <laughs> i am so glad that people hate you for not being idiots about what you say on the field i'm very glad that people hate you for referees missing calls that's fine <laughs> that's acceptable please make it to the finals and do whatever you want from it um yeah so i guess we'll start there um Sacramento, just so incredibly unlucky. Um, but Phoenix, move on. Yeah, I mean, to me, being from Sacramento, it's really, it's gutting to go out the way they went out on this one because they played well. This was a close game. I mean, maybe Phoenix, you could argue, played a little bit better. But this was a game where if it was 90 minutes... It was a draw, and both teams completely deservedly walked away with the point. I mean, if you're going to see someone played maybe a little bit better, I'd lean to Phoenix, but mm-hmm. not by a lot. It's one of those games where if you're going to say who deserved to move on, if you go more than 60-40 to Phoenix, you're overselling Phoenix or underselling what Sacramento did out there. It was a close game. Both teams were right in it the entire time. Both teams had chances. Both teams had good plays on both in the ball. They both I mean, it was two very good teams, mm-hmm. and especially from Sacramento's standpoint of they always play up or play down to opponents, yes. and they played pretty much right on par with Phoenix the entire match, and I wish this wouldn't have ended the way it would have. I mean, yeah. I would have been actually happier if the goal was headed in because you go, 
that was a great play. We lost legitimately. We put up mm-hmm. a great fight. Oh, I mean, you have to say it is what it is. And I said this, that I don't think it was intentional to punch mm-hmm. the ball in the net. I think the ball really came in about a foot lower than Asante yeah. was expecting. And it just it happened to be where his fist was and the motion sent into the back of the net. I mean, you could even see not all of the even round players immediately reacted calling for a handball. A few mm-hmm. did. But when the entire team is facing on defense expecting a cross and only a few call for the handball before when it goes in, even to the players, it wasn't obvious. And I feel for the ref because he also was getting blocked during this call. There were players kind of falling in the way. It would have been an, it would have been an almost impossible call to say that the team who scored with a few minutes left in the game to get to call it back without being completely confident. I mean, I don't know how any ref at the USL level says, yes, that was clearly handball. We're going to take away a game winning goal. You mm-hmm. don't do that. It's like, it's the, you only overturn a call or a result if you're completely sure, because otherwise you look even dumber. I mean, let's imagine this was a, this was headed in and he said, no, it was the handball, call it back. And Sacramento once on penalties. I think he looks worse than he does today. I mean, you could argue, should there be VAR? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, honestly, I think the way it's set up now with all the difficulties of USL stadiums being in baseball diamonds and college stadiums and stadiums, you can't make it happen. It's not what the USL wanted, especially Mm -hmm. not with Phoenix being in the news news for a bad reason two weeks in a row. But Mm -hmm. you have to live with it. Sacramento could have won it before that. Arguably, they had a few chances too. I think they had one shot on goal all game. And it is what it is. You have to create more solid chances than that if you're Sacramento and you want to beat one of the best teams in the league. Mm. It's frustrating, but that's what it is. Ryan, uh, you mentioned VAR earlier. What's your opinion on that one? Yeah, it, it seemed like that discussion always kind of flares up around here. Uh, I think Sandor had the tweet that uh, just going forward that USO should like look at instituting VAR across uh, playoff games and they had actually uh i believe it was back in 2016 they said the new york red bulls too in their games at red bull arena when they were still playing there they were going to basically have var capabilities there and use it as trial matches but it was only going to be at red bull two for those games and no one else in the league was able to get that which i think would be the same problem that you would run into here yes you would have some teams who would be able to invest in getting var capabilities at their stadium and would have that kind of setup but not every team is going to have that situation you'd have say an fc Tulsa who play at a baseball diamond who wouldn't be able to have that el paso wouldn't be able to have that reno it like not every team is going to be able to be set up like that and just merely saying oh it's an investment that we could all won't put into doesn't basically exclude the problem that there are just some teams that either can't do it or just simply won't want to pay the extra money for it but that's kind of the that's just kind of what you risk when you play within this league that there just isn't that capability and you have to trust the refs to do their jobs on twitter me and uh jeff ruder went back and forth because um he said that it needs to happen in the playoffs um Sam Dorr said that it's going to happen if the league is smart in a way. He kind of said that, and then he said they are smart, so it's going to happen in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, but I thought I was worried about the prohibitive cost as well. Um, but Jeff mentioned that seven, um, the Premier League said to institute it all into the every stadium in Premier League that it was 72,000 pounds, which was shockingly low to me. Now, they probably have more infrastructure where it costs them a little less than the USL would cost. Um, maybe some stadiums couldn't do it. I know you guys mentioned that a minute ago, but I was surprised it was that low a number is the thing. And that's something that a league like the USL dollars. Yeah, it's something that a USL can handle if they split it across all the teams and all the a little bit of the league helping out, expansion fees, et cetera. Like, I think it could happen. Maybe you start with the playoffs, start small, and work your way up. The league's smart. Hey. I agree with Sam, so I think they can do it one way or another. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very glad that he has hockey free agency with the uh, team that employs him to worry about. Why is that? I, you know, what do you I, mean? I just... I, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's it's I I like I I really do like the guy. I respect the guy a lot. I just I don't think we need. I I think Phoenix have not having nine ninety five owners of varying levels of involvement and financial involvement is is bad enough. I don't need someone that was with <laughs> their front office who who honestly does care about the league just kind of getting balled up into that group of really off the rails ownership. So I you know. I appreciate Sam's thought, but I, he doesn't have any direct influence anymore. And and sure, like yeah, I, I would love to. As someone that also cares about the league, I would love to see them implement VAR. But someone who works for, a, a, you know, a different organization in a different league now that doesn't really have any direct input, I, I, you know, like yeah, it's 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 a great opinion. It's it's probably the right opinion, but I, I don't know how much it's helping. Mm-hmm. To be fair, um, I I think. Yeah, like $93,000, right, Ryan? Yeah. Is like low in a weird way where you don't think about how cheap some of these teams can be. <laughs> um, and, and I think, like Pony said, like you have problems. Like, like hell, you had a problem where a, a, one of the stadiums you were using didn't have lights, so you couldn't play night games. <laughs> like, like, you've had that problem as recently as, as two years ago. Um, and, and so I think you need to figure out your infrastructure. You need to figure out who, by the way, is, is going to move where now with this, these teams dropping as far as how you're going to balance your schedule. I I think there's a lot of like infrastructure, quality of life kind of things that you need to figure out before VAR can be a thing every week. Should you maybe try to find a way to do like weird neutral site stuff for your final and, and for your for your playoffs to to make it a thing yeah um but if i'm sitting in the board of directors for usl i'm not looking at var as the number one thing that i need maybe better refs Mm -hmm. but i think that's a combination league pro thing um and that's something that'll come with time yeah yeah and i I mean mean, that's not a that's not a usl problem that's a that's a uh a pro problem but i think it's something on yeah, the and- on the ups though because we are a newer league as far as our development go ahead pony sorry no i was just thinking like you're saying the refs are a league problems like the i don't think the usl is trying to be cheap with hiring the worst refs they can no, 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 i no, think no, they're no. I, say, I think they're hiring the best refs after the mls takes the best ones away from them and that's probably a USA ref development I, problem. And yeah, not a and I, don't, problem. I don't think that's I don't think that's MLS taking the refs away. I think that's a well. A, I mean, I think if the MLS refs are better than the USL refs, but I think that at least to me, the MLS refs are better than the USL refs. I just think there's because it's the first they, division they, they, versus yeah. the second division thing. That's yeah, a, it's just that they have the yeah they have the they have the best they could buy at this point yeah. i mean unless you're gonna unless you're gonna say bring in a slew of refs from mexico or something like that and say yeah we're gonna pay you so much money to come in and ref our game mm-hmm. which you're not gonna do because it doesn't make financial sense it's it's like if it's like remember a long time ago the usl's not good because the players weren't really there exactly mm-hmm. and they need to have the refs get to that level now as the players have well surpassed the skill of the refs and there's no real way to fix that apart yeah. from training new refs which takes so many years yeah i think i think that's a conversation that needs to happen on all levels right now even mls where they're doing a decent job it's like refs need development and we're just now getting the ball rolling in this country as far as soccer is concerned and i think we probably need to like focus on that a little more in the near future here hey um speaking of focus the other the other controversial decision uh New Mexico United won. San Antonio FC nil. Guys, that's a, that's that's a it's a bit of a bit of a hand there. Yeah, Chris this Lee one had, was yeah this one was far worse. Bastard. Yeah, you if you were just watching this one, you went, oh, that's a handball. Why didn't they call a handball? Oh, look, New Mexico scored. I mean, mm-hmm. to have an example of how blatant it was, there were players on uh, San Antonio who reacted and stopped playing, essentially, yeah. because it was that blatant. Before before New Mexico was shot, there were, there were defenders on San Antonio that just stopped and went, yeah, handball. 
and it just made it even easier for him to score. That that was a horrible call. The mm-hmm. Sacramento Phoenix was a bad call. This was a horrible call yeah. because every watching saw it before the replay happened. It just it's so it sucks that they were weren't they both late in the games and they were both game deciders. Mm-hmm. That a yep. team is knocked out of the playoffs because of one handball. It hurts. Both AET goals. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we'd be remiss if we if we're going to mention certain things happening. I think we should mention some people's arguments. Is that I guess other handballs were missed. This is something sure. I hear every effing game. So that's like well, easy. I, I mean, the the best argument is that I think in both of those games, both teams that lost very much had chances to not lose and didn't put them away. Hmm. Right. Um, and if I, yeah, and I would say, at least in my take, up to the point where the handball occurred in both games, the team who the handball benefited was the better team to me in both games. Hmm. Not by a lot, but they were the better team. It wasn't one of those things where you're completely crushing an opponent, and it's still 0-0, you're dominating performance, and then they get a weird fluke goal that shouldn't count. Phoenix was playing slightly better. New Mexico was playing slightly better. Now, should both games probably have gone to PKs? Yes, and that <laughs> becomes a toss-up. But I don't think any of the teams who lost could go, we were robbed to the point where we should have won that game. We were ro- They were robbed of a penalty shootout, not robbed of winning that that's game a, if you want to be really technical. That's a great way to put it. I like that. Um... Yeah, I mean, San Antonio side of things, just looking at the stat line, like, okay, yep, you had 17 shots, but you had two on target. Not great. Yeah, it's not like... Didn't New Mexico have, like... I think New Mexico had less shots, but a lot on target, didn't they? I don't, Ten shots, I don't six have it on. Pulled up. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. They had less shots. And actually, San Antonio blocked seven shots, hmm. so... Yeah. Yeah, it's not like Los Dos, yeah. like... Yeah stopped all those goals that were goals from Reno right. and then like right. got a handball at the end of the game. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. It's a good right. That would have been a late, that would have been horrible. Yeah. This was more of a team we played slightly better advanced on a fluke. <laughs> yeah. It's life. It's life. I'm going to get angry comments over this take on it. Oh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's this, here's this. I want to, I want to <laughs> say this about like San Antonio fans are, or sorry, not San Antonio, Phoenix fans are so beaten down right now. And I think it's especially hard for them to be beaten down. And I feel for them. I really do. Because none of this shit is their fault. Not one thing is a fan's fault. And they're taking every comment personally. And I think it's even harder for them. It's like a rich man becoming homeless. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, they were, they are a great club that has made several terrible mistakes. And then a weird fluke. Um, and, handball that was unfortunately <laughs> celebrated and, and on the sideline. But like for, for, for me giving out to them, they've produced wonderful front office execs and yes. wonderful social media people. And and the fact that they put somebody in an NHL you know front office is is incredible. They're an incredible organization. We've sung their praise for years now. And, we um, still did it just then. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah. And yeah. so fans, please don't take these criticisms personally. And we do feel you. We understand you're upset. Um, I'll even help a little bit. That wasn't a cross, it was a shot. <laughs> it was. That's funny. I mean, it, it had I've the speed of a shot. Week. I saw it every week for like 30 weeks. That's a shot. That's every so time funny. he cuts in on his, on his right and, and tries to hit it from there. <laughs> Solomon wasn't yeah. even supposed to hit the, play that in general. It would have been a save, by the way, if it was a full shot. But yeah. it was a shot. Yeah, I think those takeaways don't take it personally, but don't be smug about it either. That yeah. wasn't something well, you go, so. that was a great goal. We deserve it. No, don't do that. And don't say, don't say I'm the victim. Anyway. Just be like, yeah, we got lucky. It was a close game. We maybe played a little bit better. I got a lucky break at the end. We win. Move on. For Reno. We too. What we just did for you, Phoenix, is something we never extended this courtesy to Cincinnati. Okay? So be fucking happy. Who are they? <laughs> Be good fans. And look at where it got. Nice. Yeah. Reward us with niceness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look at your heroes in Ohio now. 
anyway, Ooh. I feel bad for Reno because they got to play probably the easiest game in the first round. Yeah. I think that's universal. And now they have to play a still angry Phoenix Rising team. <laughs> <laughs> so, it'll yeah, be interesting. I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah. I mean, Reno could score like no one's business and their defense is not nowhere near defense. Well, I don't want to say it's a joke, but that defense is not a defense of a playoff team or at least a good playoff team. Like a 1-0 so, lead for Reno is not a 1-0 lead for other teams. They need two goals. Yeah, I mean, they, they need at least two goals. I mean, I think if you told me Reno scores two goals against Phoenix this week and so I probably really would bet Phoenix advances. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a very comprehensive 4-1 win by essentially Corey Herzog. As in a, yeah, uh, yeah. He had a great game. <laughs> who, scored, who, scored, who scores twice and Foster Langsdorf gets, a, gets the third. Which is hard for me to watch, uh, but I, I want to bring up before we move on, as an aside yeah. real quick, Danny Masovsky uh, has been yes. playing for LAFC. I wanted to make sure we mentioned that today because we missed him earlier when we were on the topic. Yeah, dude uh, broke his his jaw and just won. Uh, broke his jaw in, in USL and, and has now just won uh, MLS Player of the Week randomly. Uh Scored a brace with them, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another yeah, one of those guys where it's like, I don't know how he fell to who he fell to. But. <laughs> right. Yeah, San before we move yeah. away from, these, from this section, I always want to say, this was the section of playoff scores I actually called perfectly. Good. Ooh. That's I say. And my bracket actually had Reno wins 4-1, and I had Phoenix wins 1-0. So if nothing else, that punch goal hit me 2 of 2 for this section. So... <laughs> Uh, Reno, if you could win three two, just keep it going, because if I okay. can get all three of these games perfectly, I'll take that. What are you doing awake, Mister? And on the other side of the bracket, with uh, FC Tulsa uh, uh, actually taking uh, El Paso to penalties before yeah. we saw El Paso advance, but Tony had saw that you had tweeted out on that uh, that was a bit more concerning from uh, Locomotive than we would have had liked to have seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this that was a weird defensive game from... I mean, both teams allowed one goal that was a complete horrible error. I mean, let's first kind of get that out of the way. But this should have been... Two, one goal for each team was just... It was one that goes down. That's 100% on defense. Offense had nothing to do with it. It was just a bust. I think Tulsa tried to head one back and miscommunicated with the keeper. And El Paso tapped the first one in. And then the second one, El Paso's keeper came out couldn't control the ball and easy tapping again. But I think the story of this game is, even though this went to penalties, I think El Paso is still the better team. I want to say they hit the bar four times this game. Sounds right. I heard four and bars it, in this game, and then it's like six in the last four games or something like that. They've been hitting it like crazy. Yeah, they. it was one of those where this was a 2-2 game, but it was a 2-2 game where I think if El Paso went out, they'd feel really hard done because they were the better team. Tulsa put up a heck of a lot better fight than I think anyone thought they would. And power to them for that one. I mean, they El, not, El Paso was on like 500 minutes of not allowing a goal before this game started Yeah. for Tulsa to put two on them, even if one was a just a mistake from El Paso. That's still really impressive. And Tulsa is probably in the running for most improved team of the year, yeah. I think they. I think the Lizard team out east are going to get to eventually. But this was Tulsa really showed that they weren't just some fluke team. We finished second in the group and we're going to bow out easily. Yeah, and honestly, who a lot of us had going deep. I know I have them. I had to make them to the West final. West, they I have them winning the West, and I think Allen does too. Who's not here? He had them winning the West, and. This was kind of concerning. I hope that defense tightens up or they will not make it that far. Yeah. Especially if they play Reno or Phoenix, who will pick them apart if they play as bad bad at the back line as they did against Tulsa. Yeah. Um, credit to El Paso for neutralizing Lebo Malona a little bit, by the way. That's not an easy task. Yeah, I've seen a lot of games, though, where that's happened, unfortunately. That's fair. I don't know what it is. 
I just want to kind of reiterate that, yeah, I think Tulsa most improved for sure. And I think they're not done improving. I think they're going to be even better next year. So that's kind of the the thoughts I had as, as we move on is that um, I think maybe the, if they put more pieces around Meloto, he might be even a little more uh, uh, what consistent is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Meloto with the right pieces could be an excellent USL player. Very much so. I think he's one of those who... who if he has, if they put the right pieces around him, some MLS team is going to pick him up because he'll just look that good. Yeah. Uh, we get to go east now, right? Yeah. About time. Uh, hey, Phil, you got another one? Got another one. I think uh, the story here is that uh, Kyle Morton owned. The first half belongs to him. Oh, he's so good. My gosh. I was talking so to good. someone today. Um, I think it was Matt Ralph. Yeah, we were talking today about yep. um, Cal Morton. He's like, how's he doing? I was like, dude, I knew he'd be good. Um, I assumed he'd just be another Bob Lilly goalkeeper. He's just like next level, though. We've gotten three Bob Lilly goalkeepers at, in uh, yeah. St. Louis, and he's – it's hard for me to say this because I like Tomas Gomez and I like Ginger Ninja, go. but he's the oh. best. Kyle Morton is the best. He's almost Kyle always Morton. in the right spot. Can do the quick saves out of nowhere. He's great. And and so the, very good. Yeah. And Hartford should have scored on us twice at least, and that he saved. You know. So hey, first half belongs hey, to him. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle Morton and I, both in fact from Westchester, Pennsylvania. Oh, I didn't know that. In fact, went to uh, went to rival high schools. No kidding. Yeah, the Morton boys, him and him and Todd are all. Did he come up through a college? Them. I assume. Uh, yeah. I forgot. He went to JMU. Okay. But he was a Reading United boy. He was a Lehigh Valley United boy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. Just quickly, St. Louis kind of. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. St. Louis does this thing um, where they kind of sit back and play conservative with the three-back system or else it gets a little too open for them. And so mm-hmm. they did that. They got through the first half, thanks to Kyle. And slowly but surely, they start upping the ante and they start throwing in more and more attack pieces. And um, they, I would say St. Louis owned the second half for the most part. They looked better. And as the half wore on, they just got more and more chances and eventually it paid off with a, with a nice block a football tackle and then uh, a goal from Rebus. So it was good. It was a good finish. Yeah, watching this one for me, it's like for the first 15 minutes, I'm like, the, oh, wow, Hartford's going to actually do this. They're yeah. actually looking really good. Yeah. And then St. Louis just started turning it on and really didn't look back. After the first 15, 20 minutes, St. Louis was their team for almost the rest of the game. There, I mean, there are phases where Hartford had a couple chances here and there, but... I think overall, comprehensively, St. Louis played better in the game, and it was a deserved win. And I have to say, if there is a like a storybook movie script for who's going to win the championship, it's mm-hmm. St. Louis. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, you almost feel like the, yeah, because every Disney movie I've ever seen since St. Louis is going to win the cup this year, they're probably going to win the cup. I mean, we'll see if it makes the run, but it would be the best story. I mean, is there any, from a neutral standpoint, no other team would be as good of a story as St. Louis winning this right now. Uh, right? Oh, oh, definitely. Um, credit to Mar Sam for taking the hardest foul. Oh my gosh! My good lord! And and for all the uh, negativity we've given Pro tonight, that's a great decision to let that play yes. on. Yes, well done. Kevin Broadley very easily could have brought that back. Uh, and, and in maybe any other instance should have because um, good god I've just watched it again on replay twice now uh, he gets cleaned out but uh, sure enough you know, keeps it going and then the other substitute for St. Louis only used two that night uh, Rivas bangs it in he uses them. your goal and that's your game he does sometimes he does the two uh two uh subs and then he usually does them late like that too it's yep. crazy it drives me yeah. crazy at first, 69, but... blackwood 82 and you get your goal 90 plus three and you move yeah. on to to that classic well, it's gonna be the final king's cup uh 
match ever. In yeah. fact, in a way, if St. Louis wins, they can take the cup for themselves and keep it. Just you never give it back. Just take it and walk it away. Yeah, who, who gets custody <laughs> of the cup if St. Louis were Me? to win? Like, who owns that? It'll be somewhere we back here. the winning goal. Does it just go to like Matt Bird's house? Does he just yeah, Matt just Bird? Yeah, yeah. He just keeps it. <laughs> Makes it like winning goal. It'll be some. If we're for the winning goal, be some random player who will retire age like twenty five and just happen in his house until he's a hundred and talk to his kids like, yeah, I won this seventy five years ago. I don't know. If I, I could see Trichu and I could see Sam Fink mm. as well. You know, those are two good shouts. St. Louis Trichu. all the way. I would love Trichu for just real because it's like, oh, I've been here for a year. Give me that. Yeah, but he's a St. Louis guy. He yeah. finally got a fun season, you know? Like, yeah. It's a yeah, good way fair. to go out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so so good on St. Louis. They'll play uh, that, that pesky Louisville City team who did well. 2 nothing win over, uh, over those Pittsburgh Riverhounds who have another kind of disappointing playoff exit. Um, Gosh. Cam Lancaster, man. 17th minute and then of all people it's uh it's your boy Corbin Bone. Laid on. Could have been Brian Ombi, by the way. Could have been. Hoppano and him can't connect on a cross. It could have been them. But I just go back to thinking about the regular season that if Pittsburgh would have won their group and would have found a way to that top spot that they would have avoided uh Louisville and actually played St. Louis and the first round that shows how crucial the regular season was. But I think it was a uh, soccer rabbi on Twitter who actually said, do you think this was the longest uh, Bob Lilly uh, bus ride in the history to go from Louisville back to Pittsburgh after how they lost? Um, yes. That third I, goal, I, man. You can't, you can't convince me he didn't just yell at the team for 12 hours. At least at the yeah, goal. Keeper. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. It was one of those where it wasn't yell- It would have been one thing if Pittsburgh played if it was a close game or they probably were the better team, but Louisville looked so good. I mean, there's a reason I think most of us said they were going to win the cup at the start of the playoffs, yeah. and nothing I saw remotely convinced me that this is a wrong call. I mean, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. played well. I mean, I think you could say Pittsburgh played better than almost every other team in the East this round. They looked very good, but when you're playing a team who was as well put together and as cohesive and as free-flowing and just, I mean, Louisville, I mean, I, I don't, okay, let's mention that team again. Louisville looked like Cincinnati's regular season in the last year in the USL, <laughs> where they just looked good. And it'll yeah. take some, yeah, it'll take something like what happened with Cincinnati playoffs, where they suddenly fell apart for Louisville to replicate that or they're going to win the cup. Well, because if they play like they have the entire time it's up to the state, if they play like Pittsburgh for the next three games, they've won the cup. And I think it's probably like 50%. If Louisville plays the same game three more times, I'd say at least 50% they won the cup. At least. Hard to argue with that. Yeah, at least. And that's the funny thing is that like there's a chance that the first round of them versus Pittsburgh was the best mm-hmm. game of the entire playoffs. There's a chance that this game, St. Louis versus Louisville, could be the best game of the playoffs. Now, this could be a nice uh, transition because I think Pony would prefer to choose someone like Charleston. But I think it's possible that what I just said was correct. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Charleston is underrated. I think Charleston's underrated. I'll go with that one. I think they're... Pony walking my bandwagon. Thank you for coming. I've been there for a while. I think I've been saying Charleston's good for a lot of the season. In fact, I picked. I I don't think as a collective we picked them in the pick'em, but I picked them in, in my bracket. I mean, if you look at my bracket start of the season or start of the playoffs, I have Louisville playing Charleston in the finals of the East, and I still believe that's going to be the case. Hmm. We'll see. We'll talk about it. Charleston Battery, uh, two. In fact, <laughs> the Charlotte Independence one. Uh, it, it, listen, I, I don't mean to be this guy. Whenever anyone on Twitter says, oh, 
Hugh Roberts isn't going to score. He scores. He always scores. <laughs> don't ever don't if you see him don't say oh you're not going to score if you if you tweet at him don't mention he's not going to score if you go to a game and he's and he's there don't be like yo three you're not going to score because he'll do it i promise it happened to me twice <laughs> we took him out to lunch and then he scored it sucked i literally told him to good luck but not too much and then he scored and i felt bad anyway Hugh Roberts scores for the Charlotte Independence in this game. They, in fact, lose to the Charleston Battery 2-0 uh, late. 2-1. Two, I said 2-0. 2-1. See, I did it again. Uh, Arthur Bosa with the winner. Uh, another interesting goal, to be fair. Yeah, I think this is another one of those. I think this was a case of Charleston was the better team, yeah. but Charlotte put up a heck of a fight, and again, in 90 minutes, probably deserved a point out of this. But this is in the regular season. Yes, they would have done. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those. That, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, if it's one of those where he said, "Who deserved three points?" Probably no one. Who deserved? Yeah. But at the same time, it goes longer, and Charleston just kind of slowly wore down Charlotte. I mean, you could, at least to me, you could say the Charlotte goal was unexpected, given how the game was going. I thought it was just going to be one zero, and Charleston's grind the entire thing out, and that was going to be the result. But Charlotte got their goal. Charleston responded well, and mm-hmm. they're on to the next round. And Anheuser again is probably going to not win Coach of the Year, but every, every single year he should be in the conversation because yeah, we'll uh, we'll have we'll get to, to that do... when it gets to like yeah, we'll get to that at some point later when we talk about the awards. But yeah, uh, before one of the more the... underappreciated coaches in the entire league. Oh, easily before the before the final, we'll uh, we'll do a little. We might we'll we'll try to bring uh, one or two people. We'll drag a couple people in here and, and have a. <laughs> who are your your awards? Uh, Ryan is the resident Carolinian. Is that what we call you? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, what's uh, how do we feel? Yeah, I think Charleston. Uh, that was sad that we collectively as a podcast picked to move on to this round. I feel like they match up pretty well here in this conference semifinals. Like Pony had mentioned, that they could very well find themselves into the finals. But yeah, Battery this season have been just quietly just getting the job done, especially in their group and just in the results they've got. Uh, I think outside of that 4-3 defeat to the Miami FC, that there really wasn't any glaring, like truly uh, bad losses or like any questioning results. But uh, at least to talk about their opponent for the conference semifinals. Uh, an interesting game between Tampa Bay and uh, Birmingham, a lot more higher scoring than uh, I think any of us would have guessed. This, this was a fun one. Um, at one point, I saw Tampa was up 2 nothing, I believe. And then I think as they are wont to do, they let a team back in, and then they remembered that they were, like, good or at least better than the team that's in front of them. And I, nothing makes me happier than seeing old man Lucky and Kasana score. <laughs> then seeing uh, former Bethlehem Steel Leo Fernandez score, in fact, to make it 4-2. to two. Tampa Bay Rowdies, I don't want to say they cruised, but no, this was the, this was the correct result. They didn't cruise, and it was kind of shocking to me. I thought it would be a little easier for them, but uh, you know they made up for it in the end. By the way, say again. Jordan Doherty's hit is (laughs) unreal. Yeah, at least looking to me, the first half was kind of what I think a lot of us thought was going to be. Tampa Bay was just dominated the entire half. They proved they were the better team, up to nil, and Bethlehem did not look. They looked like they were continuing to run from the end of the season where. They didn't really even look much like a playoff team. They look like a team who's going to get in by merits of having a group that breaks in their favor. Mm-hmm. And then for the first 20 minutes of the second half, Bethlehem turned that team we saw for the first two months of the regular season and go, oh yeah, they if they click, they're actually really, really good. Yeah. And Tampa Bay looked like they had no idea what was happening until around the 70th minute where Tampa went, wait a minute. We're Tampa Bay. We're a good team. We're here for a reason. And we've seen we we dominated from the first 45 minutes. So let's just turn it back on for this last half hour. They did that. And Bethlehem kind of reverted into their weird scenario where 
their pieces aren't coming together in a way they need them to come together, and they gave up two more goals, and that was it. I mean, Bethlehem moving forward could be a good team. They just need to learn how to play consistently, I think. That's oh, their well. problem is they have moments of playing like this team can make a deep cup run, and they have moments of playing like this team probably will be the underdogs to almost every other side out there. And it's just a matter of condensing that down and learning how to be the team that they need to be instead of the team that they sometimes are. It's weird as that sounds. Tony, you're playing to my heartstrings, but you've <laughs> mentioned the town in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, not the town in Alabama. Uh, about five. I did. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did. I, I like their mediocre teams to start with a B. I I did it to you because <laughs> they both also employed Leo Fernandez. They mentioned he used to play in Lehigh Valley. Mm-hmm. My fault. I mean, looking at our USO pickums for this week, we had seven picked... out of eight, baby. Oh yeah, no one's got props to uh, Nick Murray, who did pick eight and zero last week. Dang, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, he got the only game that we had missed was San Antonio and New Mexico, and he Which got I that mean... one right. But you know, looking into this week, we had picked Tampa Bay, Louisville, Reno, and El Paso. We were actually in the minority for picking El Paso. Hmm. Interesting. That's why you go with the the right pick, not the trendy pick. (laughs) If this was a logo competition, yep, Tulsa all day, but it's not. (laughs) Tampa Bay and Charleston split. I think that's a hot ticket. Tulsa's a better logo than El Paso. Yeah. And you can leave. I think it's pretty good. I and locking. I agree with you, Pony. I'm with y'all. Well, SC Tulsa's new logos, are new kits, I really like. But also, El Paso, I think, is running a sale on uh, their first year kits on their website. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> that was the funniest thing, Ryan. I love it. What were you going to say, though? You were going to say something. We are not by them. What do we got left? Did we get all the games? We have. Uh... Yes, we yeah. did. Yeah. Can I mention one thing? Yeah, we, we, we did it. Uh, please. Well, and I, I mean, I, I think uh, to be fair, we did put in our picks for the next round. Oh yeah, so let's talk about that. Those. Uh, Phil, I'm sorry, it's Louisville. So says you. I think there's only one we were actually toss up on, right? By the time all of us weighed in. Yeah. I forgot Into which the one. Group chat we go. Yeah, I was going to say, now i got to look at it, because that was many hours ago, and I don't remember. It wasn't... Tampa Charleston was the only one we were close on, right? Yeah, Tampa Charleston was the only one that split us. It was 3-2 with uh, myself, Phil, and Evan picking Tampa, and uh, Alan and Pony taking Charleston. A look behind the curtain, if you will, on the debates that happen behind the scenes. (laughs) The brain trust of the USL show. I've gotten and the then uh, after that we agreed on uh, everything except for Re- or we were unanimous on everything except for Reno Phoenix, whereas Alan had picked Phoenix over Reno. I, my, I think we've all made a terrible mistake, and I'm going to throw uh, Kelsey Steele and Mike Watts and Nick Murray into this with us. I think we're going for narrative points here mm-hmm. with Reno. And I don't think we're thinking logically. <laughs> and I don't think we're thinking who's mad right now. And I don't think we're thinking of, oh, which team is the one that plays in Arizona? And so we pick the one that plays in Nevada, which might be the wrong choice. Reno's a tough place to play. We've also now given Phoenix Rising more bulletin board material, and they were not lacking in it, mm-hmm. I promise. So... That'll be interesting. I think it's a good uh, point. Yeah, I mean, Reno did beat Phoenix 2-1 in I, Reno. I, uh, Phil, I'll still let you get your thought in. Before we, we wrap it up a little bit, guys, you get one match to watch this week. Which one are you picking? St. Louis-Louisville. It's not even close, in my well, opinion. Yeah, I mean, of, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, yours is easy. I just have, like, a tough choice on this one. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's with with the bias, I suppose, but I, I'm I'm surprised that another one would be better than that, in my opinion. I think St. Louis, I, I guess I'm think... biased because I think St. Louis has been underestimated this whole time. Maybe um, they should be. I don't know. 
I think Charleston and Tampa Bay have played incredibly well all year. Um, and this one, not that the other ones didn't matter, especially because I think it, it, early on in the in the um, second season, if you will, Charleston, I think, felt like they were getting overlooked really hard uh, when they were coming up against Tampa Bay. And now this is very much a, you can really shut some people up uh, on both sides uh, if you win this game. And so I think that's, as much as I like the, you know, please watch St. Louis in their maybe last match ever again, um, I, I think that Charleston-Tampa match would make me try to set up a second monitor somewhere. Hmm. Anyway, Phil, your, your, your final thought, please. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Aaron Cervantes is being uh, transferred from Orange County SC to Rangers yep. FC in Glasgow. Yeah. That's pretty huge. That I think it's the first time we've had a uh, partnership with a European club actually go that direction. We usually just mm. collect a bunch of players and then send them back home when they're done serving their time in the United States. In this case, they're actually taking one of our players and hopefully they think he has potential and they're going to you know, turn him into something yep. good and maybe sell him on for a profit on top of that. And probably i think they sold him i don't think it's a loan i'm not i forgot to look that up i apologize but uh you know hopefully there's a sell-on percentage that goes to oc if they do sell him that'd be great i just wanted to mention that it's a huge deal i think i think it's a. Uh, unfortunately it happened during the playoffs so it got a little covered up um it yeah i, mean, if I, yeah, I think Cervantes is one of those players that everyone who's been following the usl at west knows is an extremely talented keeper I mean, this is a move I didn't actually ever expect. I mean, I didn't think he would be making this move. I thought, like, the biggest European move, he might move to, like, a low-end championship, high-end League One English team. But sure. yeah. this is impressive, and it's it's more than just saying we could have a wonder kid here for a year or two before they move on and become one of the Maybe. best players in Europe at their position. Mm-hmm. It's saying we could take people who are very talented at a young age and hopefully catapult their career into something that becomes a lifelong thing. Not at the most elite talent, but it's something you can make a lot of money at, be a great player, be loved at a big club. And the more USL does this, the more USL is going to get kids like Cervantes who say, you know what, I'm going to stay in America and play in the USL instead of saying, I'm going to go play for, I don't know, like, Bayern Munich three team in the fifth tier of Germany and hope that works out for me. Um, so I'm going to temper expectations a little bit and also make them more interesting. Uh, he's officially joined Rangers too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A couple things here. He's 18. Mm-hmm. Right. So like he's got plenty of time. He's a keeper. Um, his market value is apparently according to transfer mark. Uh, 165,000 US dollars. The fee's undisclosed because American soccer, so we don't know. Uh, but, you know, listen, 18, you get your foot in the door at, at one of the most prestigious clubs in Europe, I'll argue. Um, here's where Celtic fans go, well, it's not the same club. Okay. <laughs> right. I get it. I get it. They went in the administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I mean, if nothing else, really nice to see someone go like pony said straight from usl to europe well and it's smart i think it's smart by them too because it's a good just to take a chance yeah and and why not because the u20 world cup's coming up and he probably Mm -hmm. most likely right now is the number uh, one keeper for that right assuming everything goes fine but um you know, if he's the number one keeper, the U20 World Cup has been um, shown more, you know, over and over and over that that is a good place to find talent. And if you do well in something like the U20 World Cup, a la Josh Sargent, um, mm-hmm. clubs will want you. And so, yeah, if he does well, they've got someone valuable on their hands that they could sell on then or shows how good he is and they make him better. And, you know, we all know mm-hmm. how it goes. Thank anyway, you. Anyway, uh, thank well, you well, for yeah. one. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The team, the game to me, to watch for me this weekend is actually going to be Phoenix Reno. I looked at that's it. Fair. Reno, not Phoenix, has allowed multiple goals in four of their last five. Reno has scored multiple goals in ten of their last eleven. So if you like goals, this yeah. might be the game for you. 
because this is going to be chaotic. As Reno knows how to score and doesn't know how to play defense, and Phoenix has been interesting this last mm -hmm. few months. Good shout. In fact, and, three of hey. these uh, four games from uh, in this round of the playoffs have featured teams that played in the same group. Yeah. Funny With was. that Reno game being the one that wasn't uh, teams in the same group. I talk about weak groups, man. Boy. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe you saying talk about weak groups spurred on this, this weak group revolution, if you will. Uh, hey, the good news is, even though I said that the guys and, and myself could only watch one game this week, if you wanted to watch either Louisville and St. Louis play, or if you wanted to watch Birmingham and, and Tampa Bay play, and then you wanted to watch either of those Western Conference games, you can do that because they start at times that work out for that. Scheduling's great. We only have four matches, you know? <laughs> anyway. Thank you uh, ever so much to Roughneck Scarves, uh, my my dear friends over at Icarus FC, and uh, and the Beautiful Game Network podcast for letting us ramble at you this whole time. We have so much to talk about, and you know, hey, thanks for dropping some news uh, <laughs> in the one the one day that we record. Uh, at least it happened early, I guess is the positive. Um, hey, feel free to tweet us at the USL show. We'll be there. Um, you can find all of us kind of individually as well around that area. Phil does a fun thing where he logs on in both accounts and retweets things on both of them. So if you found the one, you probably found Phil. Um, and from there, it's just a matter of looking. Accidentally half the time. Hey, you know, I just laugh when it happens. <laughs> I was going to say something earlier on the season that I went, no, I'll be all right. Appreciate that. Until it's then, like a, uh, yeah, it's not like two notifications where... It, hmm? no. it's, it's boosting our numbers, Pony. And that's all that matters. I try to you be... Know, in a world driven by clicks and <laughs> and news breaks and things like that. I Phil's try, just doing I stuff. try to retweet you guys at least three times more than I retweet myself. Is a, to try to be fair. So, well, I mean, I guess that's healthy because then it, it yeah. displays a notion of not being a narcissist, right? Is that what we're going for? Trying to hide it, yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. That makes sense. <laughs> Uh, anyway, for uh, for Pony, who still God, I love that people still have to acknowledge you as Pony in uh, in the US. It's weird. <laughs> no, I love it though. It's the best. I love it. Never. They can't say Evan because then it's like which one? Uh, it's probably you. Anyway, still. <laughs> um, but uh, for Pony, for Phil, for Ryan, for Alan, who is not here for the rest of the beautiful network, I guess to speak on everyone's behalf. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, we have one rule, and that rule. Just don't be a dick.